Ah, hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world Welcome to the Day In Day Out podcast Woo! Today on episode uh, 130, I had the immense pleasure to have uh, Kerry uh, Spramsey on uh, the podcast today. We talked about a number of things, uh, her uh, methodology, JOMO, uh, Joy of uh, Moving On. Uh, we also talked about her life and her struggle of fighting uh, cancer, which, yeah, like spoilers, uh, she was successful at. And we talked about her company. Uh, carry on coaching uh, Yeah, I've got to say Very insightful lady And I call, I'm call. i going to call her from now on uh, My l- young rebel uh, Yes, this is a lass who is ha, uh, A fighter, tough And keeps on coming A stubborn Maybe has a good stomach streak, which leads to her tenacity. And yeah, so please enjoy the show. Have a great day. And please do not forget to subscribe. And yeah, be awesome. Have a great one, guys. Enjoy the show. Peace. Oh. Ah, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors. Wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today, on episode uh, 130, I have, oh, Kerry <coughs> uh, Sprangsy. Yes, I got it right. Yes. Uh, she is a coach. Uh, she is a owner of Carry On uh, Kerry on uh, coaching and yeah she is an american who now lives in a glorious amsterdam uh, i'm not gonna say why she may have went there maybe it had the herbal remedies but that's another story Kerry, <laughs> how are you today my lady oh i am i'm so fantastic the sun is shining in amsterdam which uh they count the sunshine here by the hour Um, where I come from, I'm originally from Salt Lake city in the United States. And we have like 300 days of sunshine a year. When I heard that the Netherlands gets excited about like 30 hours of sunshine a year, I was, uh, yeah, afraid. (laughs) Yeah. Like, well, like this is the thing, look, welcome to, welcome to glorious Europe. And like with all its sort of hmm, interesting moments with weather. Yes. Why did you trade in, like, yeah, guaranteed 365 days of sunshine, practically, to Amsterdam? What made you do the move? Yeah, well, the short story is I moved for love. So my husband is Dutch, and uh, he had just started a new career. He had just made a, a new transition in his career, and I had been in mine for 15 And I had lived in Salt Lake City for 40 years, and I had just finished battling colon cancer, which we will get into, I'm sure. And I was just, I was ready for the move. So I sold everything I owned. I packed up my life and moved on over to Europe. And it's been an adventure. I've loved it. Ah, excellent. Excellent. So, like, this is the thing. There are always the small little differences, like where you live, like, Mm -hmm. from like United States to like Holland, what mm-hmm. ha- the Netherlands, I should say, what have you found has been sort of the biggest sort of change uh, for you like relocating? Oh, that's a, you know, it's, um, I kind of have two answers to that. So there's like, there's sort of the cultural differences between say Americans and 
maybe Nederlanders, maybe the Dutch, or perhaps all Europeans, right? Mm. So there's like, there's some cultural differences that I noticed, like um, in America, we have a lot of space. So personal space, uh, calmness on the roads, personal space in grocery stores, personal space. So let me just say, I'm really kind of loving this meter and a half COVID times because it makes me feel at home. Whereas here in Europe, you're on top of each other. There's no more room. So um, that was, that took some getting used to. Yeah, because like, this is the thing. I, like many moons ago, I used to work in satellite communication. So I had to travel all around Europe. Mm -hmm. Now you've gone from <laughs> sort of like a huge state in comparison yes. where you can fit Holland several times into like your state to a, a country now which okay let's just say if you've gone a long way in the Netherlands you've traveled about 40 minutes to 50 minutes by train yes <laughs> I, true I, I look I flew in I, I there was one time when the trains were they were doing sort of maintenance on the trains in Holland uh-huh in in the morning and I had to go right down to the south okay and that, uh -huh. took, that took four hours. That's how bad this engineering works were. It took oh, wow. four hours to get there. And then miraculously, everything was fixed and it took me about 40 minutes to get back to Skippo. I was, yeah. like, I was like, okay. So that, that is just more than likely mind blowing for you because yeah. It, yeah, it really is. So yes, to your point, to your story, also what's what has been different for me is this like sense of distance and time and so you're exactly right utah where i'm from from is six times the size of holland and in my entire state we have three and a half million people in holland there are 17 and a half million people so they are one sixth the size with like five times the people and so we live in Amsterdam, but my husband is from Nijmegen right. and Nijmegen is sort of in the southeast of the country. That's where his parents live. And it's about mm, an hour ish, maybe a little longer than an hour to drive. Okay. So when I first moved here, I was like, let's go have dinner with your parents on Saturday. And he was like, just dinner. <laughs> no, like that's a whole weekend. I'm like, I What? He's like, that's a shit end away. And I was like, it is not, it's an hour. <laughs> for me, you know, for me growing up in Utah, we have a desert town. Um, it's quite famous for mountain bikers. It's like the Mecca for mountain bikers and off-roaders. It's mm -hmm. Moab, Utah. Arches National Park is there. So the iconic big red rock arch is there. Mm -hmm. And that is about a four hour drive from my home in Salt Lake City. And in the summer, almost every weekend, I would get home from work at five o'clock on a Friday, pack up my little Volkswagen Jetta and throw my son in the car. And we'd drive four hours down to Moab. So I'd get there at like nine, 10 o'clock. I'd set up my tent. We'd stay the weekend, drive home on Sunday, go to work and do it all again. It was like no big deal. Yeah. No, <laughs> no big deal. And I'm still in my state, by the way. I've driven four hours and I'm still in my state. And, and for the Dutch, they're just like... 20 minutes? No, not doing that. 
Yeah, no, <laughs> it's no. too far. Yeah, no, I understand. Look, this yeah. is the thing. Living in London, like going from one side to, of London to the other, mm -hmm. if you're using public transport, they well, you've got to. Because right. if you drove, you're talking, yeah, three hours, like maybe to get from the, like the north, most north to the south, just yeah. because of traffic issues and everything like this. But mm -hmm. you can have an hour commute each way. So it's like, okay, no problem. But when, you're, when your husband's like going, what? And now, no, that's a weekend. I know. <laughs> you're going, yeah. You're going, where, where have I come to? What's different about right. this land? Yeah. So we've, we've actually, I've actually sort of like changed that mindset of him a little bit in that yeah. I'm like, hey, listen, it's not the, the journey, the road trip, the road trip for this hour. <laughs> thing the road trip is part of the journey so we've started to get into like true crime podcasts and so you know I'm like we talk sometimes we don't take the highway we actually turn it into like a two-hour drive so we kind of drive off just to explore the country and see so he's starting to get into like the adventure of it so so we're getting there change them <laughs> so working one little one drive to Nijmegen at a time <laughs> so yeah well, with that, I got to like, I'm just trying to get a feel for who you are because, like, this is the thing, like, to like go, yeah, you know what, I love you, and I'm co I'm coming all the way to Europe. That is quite a leap for some people, but like, this is the thing. You have, how can I put it? You have had a quite a challenging sort of start to life because, like, yeah, before you went to college. Mm -hmm. what was the thing what sort of kicked things off to like you'll make your college experience that little bit more challenging say <laughs> yeah well yeah so um I yeah my high school boyfriend and I got pregnant so here I am a, high, a senior in high school I'm 17 years old I had been playing like high level varsity sports the entire time yeah I have colleges i have several colleges scouting me to go play volleyball and softball for them so I'm, I'm i'm like i've got this trip at the end of my when i graduate in june i'm gonna go on this cruise through greece with my grandmother and like you know it was, it was i had all the stuff going on yeah and then oops <laughs> i get pregnant <laughs> Gee, that's like, uh, yeah Oops. Yeah. Oops. Okay. So I get, so I get pregnant and, um, I, yeah. So of course all those plans go out the window. Right. Um, so I end up getting married to my son's father, my high school sweetheart over mm. Christmas break of our senior year of high school. I move out of my parents' house into an apartment with him. We go back and finish our senior year of school. I change schools. We go back to the senior year of school. I walk across the stage in my cap and gown and two weeks later have my son and I'm 18 years old. Oh. Yeah. Oh, like, wow. Um, wow, that is a, like, that is, how can I put a real sliding doors moment right there. It's like, I'm, the world was going to be one way. And then it was like, mm -hmm. okay. Like, what was sort of like some of the challenges you face when you sort of like, yeah, after your two, after the graduation, two weeks later, little child is in the world. Uh, what was like, what was that like for you and your first husband? Well, so first I 
instantly went back to my mother and my, well, my parents and bawled my eyes out and was like, I'm sorry, I was such a little asshole as a child. Being an adult is really hard and I didn't realize and I'm so sorry. So that was first where I was just like, whoa. I think, you know, as kids, as, as, as kids and teenagers with all the rules that your parents put on you, we're yeah. just like, this sucks. I can't wait to get out of here and do what I want and live my own life. And then you get out there and you're like, whoa, this is hard. I actually had it pretty good. I had like everything was paid for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, adulting can be hard. So, um, so I, so that was like the big thing. And of course, you know, mind you, he's also 18. I mean, we're both 18. We have no idea what's, what in the hell we're doing. We have no idea. And the truth is, had we not gotten pregnant, I mean, I loved him, right? He was my first love. He was the first, my, he was my first for everything. And, um, and we were in love, but we were in 17, 18 year old love and we were not compatible. We came from very different backgrounds. I mean, yeah, we just, we were not compatible. And had we not had this child, we would have broken up after high school. Mm. I would have gone on to college and played these sports and done all of these things that I had mapped out for my life. And maybe he would have tagged along, but ultimately we would not have stayed together because we were really different. And that's what ended up happening, happening before I was 21, we were divorced. And, but by, but we had added a home. So we had bought a home. So, I mean, you know, so anyways, we just like piled all the things on, which was crazy. Um, and it, and it, and it ended up not, not working out, but yeah, it was just trying to, you know what I, cause right now all of my girlfriends and friends are having kids. So most of my peer group has children from like six on down to brand newborns because Mm. typically that's what, you know, you start having kids in your thirties and forties, right? Not in your eighteens. <laughs> uh, you know, now it is, but right. the whole thing is like if you if you reround uh, by another sort of twenty years before you had your child, it would have been yeah. like okay, you would have had a couple of friends, not so much like just on the heels of you. If you get what I mean, it would just be like, yeah, okay. yeah, twenties. Mid twenties, end of your twenties, typically, yeah. you know, 20, 30 years ago was when most typically people were having children. So, but you know, that my friends always ask me, like, cause you've done this, you know, my son's 26. I'm actually talking to you right now as a grandma. Yeah. So that just like, we just fast forwarded the story quite a bit, but yeah, my son who's now 26 has his own son who is two, go, going to be two in April at the wow. end of April. So so my friends are like, well, you've done this. How do you be a parent? And I'm like, Shh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I was just like, I said, what I say is, you know, I think a, your job as a parent is, first of all, you have to understand that we're all humans who are just trying to do the best we can. Mm. And I think my job as a parent is like being the bumpers on a bowling alley. The ball is going to go the direction it's going to go. And my job is to just kind of keep you from completely jumping the lane, mm. but not to 
but to let you kind of live your own life and actually smack into the barriers every now and then, you know, like you, cause you have to figure out your own way, but I'm just kind of here on the sides to be like, yeah, that's a little too far. Yeah. That's a little too, you know, like, Hey, keep it, keep it, keep it inside the lines here a bit, but, but make your own path. And so, um, and interestingly, my brother just had his first child and, um, from Salt Lake City, Utah is where I'm from. And so many of your listeners might be questioning like, oh, well, did she grow up Mormon? Yes, I did, LDS. Um, And um, my brother is as well. And he recently gave a blessing to his child. And I thought it was really beautiful because in it, he asked for some grace from his son. Now, of course, his son is like, you know, not even a year, but he just sort of like put this, ask out into the universe of just like your mom and I love you. We want the best for you. And we're, we, we're going to do the best we can every single day for you. And we will make mistakes, but we love you. We want nothing but the best, you know, so have a little grace for us as we try to do our best and do right by you, which I thought was beautiful. You know, I mean, it's just acknowledging that like no parent has all the answers, even though a lot of us act like we do, but we don't. <laughs> no, no, like this is the thing. I think like, I'm not a parent myself, but from what I've seen uh, from my friends and everything yeah. like that, it's just like, okay, yeah, like we're pregnant, we're having a baby. It's like, okay, like I've seen some, like some friends are like, like the stare comes in, like going, okay, well, just like, and they just got this thousand mile stairs. That's right. Uh, like, other friends have been like, okay, yeah, I'm really psyched. But the the one thing I've seen on all of their faces after that child has arrived is like, <laughs> okay, what the hell am I meant to do? <laughs> it's right. <laughs> yeah. Is this meant to work? And it's just like, off you go now. And so, and yeah, I, I, how can I put it? I'm fearful for when I have that look. If that happens to me, that fearful look comes to my face. I go, okay, holding this child. Like I'm, I don't know what to do. It's like, well, don't, don't let me screw up. It's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, just like, yeah, don't, don't be dancing for money or become some sort of like mass murderer in history. That's all I want. Just like, just please. Right. Right. I know exactly. That's all. That's all most of us ever want. And I guess, you know, when that if and when that day comes for you, just know that we all look that way. (laughs) And, um, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I mean, of course, there are some like, you know, everybody wants love and connection and to feel safe and all of that. But apart from apart from like providing those things. What I needed from my parents is completely different than what my sister needed from my parents, Mm. you know? So there's like, there's just, we all just do the best we can. Yeah, no, because like, this is the thing. I think some people think, oh yeah, uh, kids are going to be all cookie cutters. Like, that's like, yeah, that child will be exactly like that child. And I have seen kids which have like, you see the first child that's like, they'll be quiet, meek. Mm -hmm. That's like, hey, how you doing? And then you see, like, then you see another, like, you see the sibling. That's like, oh, yes, I will rule this world one way or the other. You're like, what? Yeah. What was different? It's like, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, it is crazy. It's really, it is really crazy how they do kind of come pre-wired. And so like, to, so to your point and kind of just to weave a bit more of my sort of rough start prior to coming to Amsterdam was um, my son. So I mentioned that his father and I um, separated when we were, before we were 21. And so, and I, and, and so until I was about 31, um, I, it was just my son and I, mm. and his dad, of course, was like in and out of the picture and things like that. But, but my son basically lived with me. He grew up with me. He was around me. And even then when I was 31, that's when I met husband number two. And, but my son was still with me. I just had this partner as well. And so, um, but then in 2017, right in the middle of my whole cancer battle, my son's father, my first husband took his own life. Mm. And um, that was shocking as it always is. And um, it unlocked something in my son that I didn't even know was there. My ex-husband, his father is prone, is, was prone to depression, um, really struggled with like, uh, yeah, just joy and happiness and worthiness. And I think when you, when you don't feel worthy of love, belonging, connection, happiness, because of whatever's gone on in your life as a child, uh, I think that lends itself to depression and, and such. On top of that, he had been in, in the military. So he also had some PTSD. So he just had, he was just carrying a whole lot. And when, when we lost him, my son got incredibly, incredibly depressed, like could not get out of bed. And, and while I fully 100% expected him to be sad and heartbroken that he'd lost his father, I, I did not expect debilitating depression to come up as well because he had never exhibited that before. And he had grown up I'm his mom and I'm just sort of like genuinely happy. Yes, I get sad and upset and frustrated, but my, my base is happy. Mm. And um, he, so one, I thought there would be more of that. And two, he'd lived with me. So he'd sort of seen that in action. And um, it, it was almost like all of that went out the window. So to your point, there was this really innate we talk you often hear like nature versus nurture yes and nature took over at this point it was really interesting for me to see and watch and um i'll just say one of the worst things to ever ever do is watch your child suffer and not how to help yeah no but being in that type of position it's like yes you think you like put in all the right ingredients but like the whole thing is you don't know like the sort of as they say still waters run deep if you get what I mean mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if regards to there maybe there was some type of thing where he really wanted to have that sort of bond and relationship and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, that loss of potential yeah gone like and it manifested in a way which was a surprise to you because you thought yes I've given you all these ingredients for this but as we all grow up and we like 
parents add a healthy dose of themselves to it, but the friends and the people we run with uh, add so much more and those personal experiences and like, mm-hmm. yeah, like being in the military, like who knows what went on there. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, like, but like, this is a thing, like it would like, I would say it's come out more positive for your boy because like he is now a father uh, mm-hmm. of a two-year-old and like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That sort of bond and relationship he didn't have with his father, it, he can actually like foster and make that happen mm-hmm. with his own child. So in some respects, like, yes, he missed out on that opportunity, but in other respects, he has a much broader opportunity much more opportunities to make something special with his like child and like yeah take things forward from there so i would say yeah it is a negative but there is a net positive with potentially there for him absolutely i completely agree and i think and and basically you've touched on what is really sort of my motto and mission which is this jomo finding the joy of moving on So yes, while that is a sad story and we all, so many of us have some sad stories like that, challenging things, you know, help diagnoses like me with cancer, my son watching his mom do cancer and then losing his father. Like we all have these things in our life that are hard and challenging and sad and sometimes unfair and come out of the blue and, and all of the emotions. And there's always an opportunity. There's always a little bit of joy. There's always sunshine happening at the same time that you can focus on or looking back, you can see exactly what you just mentioned. For my son, he can say, this is what I wished I had received from my father. So I'm going to be damn sure I give it to my son, you know, and that's, and that's beautiful. Like in some ways, you know, what a tremendous gift. Indeed, indeed. You know? Yeah, I hear that. And like, this is the thing, like the moments we like actually live through and the moments which bring us joy, uh, they like, sometimes they're few and far between and they seem like miles away, but when they do come, ah, how much more glorious they are. Like, tell me, uh, ringing the bell. Yeah, ringing the bell. Oh my God. So, you know, we've all seen it. It's a really typical thing to do at the end of cancer when you have finished all of your chemotherapy rounds Mm. and you're, you're done and no more chemotherapy, you get to ring the bell. And I rang that thing so hard. I thought it was going to come off of the wall. It just, you know, it's, it's such a tremendous milestone to know that you've gone through that, 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 that phase of your journey, that that part of your battle is done. And to just hear that sound and to ring that and the whole place is cheering. And my family was standing around it just, yeah, it was, it was a pretty magical moment. And, um, and everyone else sitting in, because it's right in the middle of the infusion ward. Mm. And so while I'm ringing the bell, there's, you know, 10 other people, this is pre COVID, but you know, typically there's like 10 plus other people sitting in chairs all with, you know, their cocktail, which 
by the way, I just think like cancer, you got to stop. You can't change. You, can, you can't call our chemotherapy cocktails. Cocktails are super fun to drink. Not <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that's another advocacy thing. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they're all sitting around. And so then you see someone ringing the bell and it, and it reminds you like, okay, I'm going to be there soon too. I can do this. I can keep going. Look, she ended my time's coming. So it's, it's a really beautiful thing. So, and, and that marked the end of my chemotherapy, which I had to do 12 rounds. It was every other week for six months. And because of how my cancer, um, changed. I actually did four rounds of chemotherapy. And then, so I had colon cancer. So I had a tumor in my colon that burst, which meant like at noon on a Friday, I started not feeling super great said to my, so at this time, my husband and I were not married. He was living in, in Amsterdam and I was living in Salt Lake city. So we would do this, um, FaceTime lunch. So we would be on FaceTime. I'd be having lunch. He'd be having dinner. We'd sort of catch up. And then I would go on with the rest of my day and he'd head off to bed. Um, cause it's an eight hour time difference. And so, um, we were doing that and I was like, Oh, I don't really feel good. I kind of have an upset stomach. And he was like, Oh, well just, you know, lay down, take a nap. No, I've got some client appointments that I need to do. So I'll just get through those and then I'll come home and lay down. Well, that was at noon. And by three o'clock, I was in the emergency room because I could not breathe. And I was getting bloated. Like it, it was crazy. It was so painful. And the doctors looked at me and couldn't figure out what was going on. And so they said, well, we need to go in laparoscopically, you know, we're just going to make like three small incisions, we're going to stick a camera in there, see what's going on. And yeah. then it'll be about an hour. And then we'll know what's happening. Okay, so and it, it was just me and my dad. I had called my dad and he's, you know, at this time he's like 60 and I was so, I was in such pain. I could barely breathe and I could barely walk that my father carried me into the emergency room. <laughs> and he's 60. I mean, I did, it was so bad. So he's the only one there. And I'm thinking this is going to be an hour. And I wake up and I look at the clock. Five hours had gone by. And I have staples from my navel to my pubic bone in a colostomy bag. Oh my God. And my, my whole family is there, including my son. And I freak out. I start, I, I literally start to go into shock. Yeah. And the doctors had said, listen, you know, we've told her what's going on, but she's under anesthesia. So she's probably not going to remember. And this is going to be a shock. And that's exactly what happened. So you know, my son grabbed me and he was holding my hands. He's just like, mom, look at me, look at me, breathe, breathe. You're going to be okay. They saved your life. You're going to be okay. Just calm down, calm down. We'll tell you, you know, all of this. So yeah, that tumor had burst. And so what was happening, why I was so sick was because I was going into sepsis shock because I was just filling up with fecal matter with shit. Basically, I was just, my, my digestion was leaking into my body and that's what was making me so sick. And had I waited an hour longer, I probably would be dead because I would have just gotten completely septic bacterial infection system wide oh. and they couldn't have cleaned it up. My God, like this is a thing. Wow. That is like, I'm amazed. Wow. Like, I'm amazed and slightly terrified at how quickly that sort of like going from, oh, I, I feel a little bit peculiar to like, okay, you waking up uh, like, regaining consciousness and like going, okay staple yeah. colostomy bag and like yeah you're right. around you like going, okay yeah they've saved your life 
That is right. like a very sort of like, whew, yeah, well, alarming, as I said, terrifying. But yeah, like looking back on that, like what sort of lessons did you sort of take away from that type of situation, if any? Uh, yeah. Well, from that immediate thing, um, it, it taught me very quickly and very acutely to that to to trust and listen to my body that I know what's going on. And this is why I say that because a, a few years earlier, well, maybe like five ish years earlier, um, I had gone into my OB and said, listen, my periods are incredibly painful. It is always the left side. It feels like there's a little boxer in there just like punching my left ovary. It, it's incredibly painful. My tubes have been tied for 10 years now. My son is, you know, 18. I'm done having kids. Can we please just get a hysterectomy because this is awful. And he said, well, no, that's extreme. You know, we can manage the cramps and the pain that you're having with birth control, basically. Mm. So let's do that and see what happens. Well, fast forward now to this situation. And what ultimately happened was that thing, that, that tumor in my colon burst, which put me into sepsis. And while they were in there, they saw that on my left ovary, I had a mass, but because I was so toxic in there, they said, okay, we're going to give you a colostomy. And so that the, the bacteria, the infection, everything then can calm down. And then in six weeks, we'll get rid of that colostomy and, and hook you back up and we'll deal with this ovary thing. But we don't want to cut anything in there because it's so toxic. Most likely that incision will get infected and then it will just be this big mess. So no pun intended. So we're just going to leave it, right? Well, the colon cancer had metastasized or jumped over onto my left ovary. Well, five years ago, I was like, it's the left ovary. Had I said, no, I don't want to be on birth control. I don't want to be dealing with that. Get an ultrasound. Look at this. Had the doctor said, I hear that you have cramps, but you're so specific about where it's at. Let's just do an ultrasound and take a look. They would have seen that mass on my ovary. We would have dealt with that. They would have biopsied it, colon cancer. Oh, well, now let's do a colonoscopy. Oh, there's a polyp in here. There's a tumor in here. Let's take that out. And I would have been fine. And I could have skipped the bags, the chemo, the radiation, the numbness in my feet that I still have three years later. I could have skipped all of it. So that was the lesson that I learned from that, to, that you have to be your best advocate. You, the doctors are doing the best they can, but they don't have all the information and they don't know you. And plus at this moment, I mean, I got that colon cancer one month before my 41st birthday. That's young. Plus I was working out six days a week. That morning I went to the emergency room. I'd done yoga at 6 a.m. So it, I, I woke up feeling absolutely fine. Went to 6 a.m. yoga, did my work, had my little lunch FaceTime. Oh, I don't feel good. And by that night, my, my entire life was different. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Wow. Like, like, I, listening to your own body, listening to yourself, having, well, having belief in yourself and go, yeah, mm -hmm. having that self-confidence. And like at 41, like, you know what I mean? Like you're like going, okay, five years early, 36, 
you think, oh yes, I am confident. I I know myself. I I believe in myself and everything like this. But to sort of let yourself get, yeah, okay, this person knows best. Yeah, I mean, with a doctor, you think, well, they do know best. I mean, that that's why they're the doctor and I'm the patient. But they don't always. That's the other thing. The other thing I learned to this point is when I had gone into the emergency room, initially, they did do some ultrasounds and couldn't figure out what was wrong, which is why they decided to go. So the emergency room did some ultrasounds and they said, we, th- we can see some liquid in here, but we're not exactly sure what's going on. So we think you're constipated. Here's some pain meds and here's a laxative and call, oh, and we can see this thing on your left ovary. So call your OB in the morning. And I was like, I'm not constipated. So I didn't take the laxative. Had I, I would have died in my sleep because it would have liquefied everything. The next day I woke up and called my doctor and was like, this is what's happening. It needs to be fixed now. I went to see him and he was the one that was like, let's look laparoscopically, go. Yeah. So that emergency room doctor, had I listened to him, I'd be dead. So the thing is, is that Yes, doctors do know what they're doing, but they don't know everything. And there's no way they can know me and you and the, the, all the people that they see. And they also can't know the nuances and they sure as hell can't know what it feels like in my body. You know? No, like this is the thing. I think like also something which most really would have been like cope, like a benefit for you helping saving your life is the fact that yes you are doing like exercising so much because like something like that um geez um it must have been a like physical wrecking ball uh for like just going through that but with the yoga and like yoga and other exercising you were doing like gives you that sort of core strength to like go okay I am together. I am like, so when this did happen, where if you weren't mm-hmm. that sort of extra 10, 20%, who knows where you'd be right now, if, if we would be having this conversation, that's another story. Um, right. Yeah. So like to sort of like take a sort of tangential jump away. Look, because it's like that I could talk to you about, the ins and outs of that, the sort of fight, like the fight, the recovery, mm-hmm. like you still mention your feet are numb today. And like, you know, yeah. what, like sort of get like regaining your strength and getting back to where you are now as mm-hmm. a like coach right now, doing the exercising, like doing the yoga classes, everything like this. That is one hell of a journey right there, you know, and we, like, I could talk to you about that for hours. But yeah. Uh, yeah, but like this is the thing. There are there is a lot more things you've been doing along the way because look, you while you were a, a young mother, you still went back mm-hmm. to university and you got your degree in sports and exercise, and you kind of like yeah, from there you just yeah. kept hammering it out like yeah, fitness instructor, personal trainer. What like yeah, how did you manage to sort of keep that going like young son college yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sorry but yeah no I mean I hear you because I think back on my life and I look back on my life and I think oh my god how in the hell did I do that you know I mm. mean 
But um, so one, I had tremendous support from my family. So my mother um, was able to provide daycare for my son during that time. So thankfully, I was able to really rely on my family to help me raise my son to help me to help support me, at least um, with daycare and some of those things while I went to school. You know, and I think, um, Miwa, to your question, I think the biggest thing that was driving me is I mentioned earlier that growing up in Salt Lake City, it's a very religious community. It's, it's less so now, but back then, 25 years ago, um, it, it is the headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or the Mormons, as people know, you know, hear it both ways. So it is the headquarters of that. And I grew up in, in a Mormon family and like many religions, you know, sex before marriage is a big no, no. And, you know, I think almost all religions say, you know, marriage, sex before marriage is uh, a sin. Listen here, my little rebel friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, 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 yeah, I, I hear you. And like, yeah. the thing, when, like when you went, yes, I'm a Mormon, I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because look, I watched this um, like crazy documentary on Netflix about like this guy who was pulling a sort of con job uh, and yeah, bombs and murder and like defrauding the church of like they say- You wanna hear something wild about that is he lived two streets away from where I grew up and he, we know him. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, oh God, like because I can't even remember his name because he was like, he was a rock star when it came to sort of like, yeah, discovering. Finding documents. Yeah. yeah. I was like, going, oh my God. Yeah. And it was just like, you kind of like halfway through the documentary, you're kind of like, okay, yeah. Like, how is he finding all of these documents? Like once, twice, okay, three times possibly. But it was like. <laughs> Nobody's questioning like, wow, this yeah. is pretty incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, mind you, I, w that story, so I watched it as well and I'm watching it. I'm sitting here with my husband and I'm like, I know this story, but I, you know, when, when he got arrested or I think when the bombs went off, I was 10, okay. you know, so I was young, I think it was 85 and I'm from 70. So I was nine, you know, so okay. I'm from 76. And so, you know, I was a kid and like, while this is kind of like, by the, when the bombs went off, I was a 10 year old. So like I was watching the news, but I wasn't like following it. You know, it's not like as an adult. Right. And so I'm watching this and I'm like, I know this story. Oh my God. I know that house. Holy. And so then I pause it and I say to my husband and I'm like, this is what's going to happen. I think he's forged those blah, blah, blah. And he's like, spoiler. And I'm like, He's like, well, you know, I don't want to ruin it for you, but you know what happens with the Titanic? And I was like, well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to ruin the story for you, but really I just wanted to sort of check if I'm right, you know? So then, yeah. So he actually, um, I know his name too, but I feel hesitant to say it only just because I don't want to like keep promoting him or giving him glory or whatever. But yeah, his family grew, he, they lived, all of those shots that you're seeing in that are two streets away. Like he went to our same church building. We were in one congregation and he was in another congregation, but we all met at the same church just at yeah. different times. And yeah, his kids would have gone to school at the same elementary school that I went to. They're younger than me, but they would, you know, like crazy. Right. Yeah. 
Oh my God. Well, we call it small lake city for a reason. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Wow. Uh, that you have, like, that's an interesting chunk of history crazy, right there. Right? Yeah. But as I say, my rebellious friend. Yeah. <laughs> hello. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, now, okay. Like, sex before marriage, having a child out of wedlock, um, like, then, like, partial to, like, a cocktail or two, maybe. Um, yes. Because, like, if I remember rightly, Mormons are not, mm, they, they drink occasionally, or is it they're not allowed? No, no uh, alcohol. Okay. Yep, no alcohol. Well, they don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you've got this rebellious streak, what runs through you. Okay. And I would imagine working for someone else must have been hmm, how can I say you, you would you could do it but you would not be happy at doing it so is this yeah. how you kind of went okay I'm out of college like thank you mom for helping me with the kid like my son and everything like this going through like college mm-hmm. like yeah by the time you graduated you were just divorced right uh no it actually yeah no so we got divorced and then it took me 10 years to get through my degree because I was having to be a single mom I was having to work full-time because I you know wasn't getting child support plus this was 1994 and my his father was also 20 years old so it's not like we were making a ton of money you know so it took me 10 years to get that four-year degree because I was having to pay for it myself oh it I got some scholarships along the way and, and such, but yeah, it took me a long time to do it, but I just, it was important to me. So I brought all that up because I think the underlying thing was just like, yes, I, I had rebelled. Um, and I just felt not because of anything that anyone had said to me, but I just developed this I'm not going to be the stereotype of if you get pregnant at a young age, it ruins your life. I am going to prove to everyone secretly to myself. I'm going to prove to everyone that I'm not a total screw up that I did not derail my life, that I am going to beat the statistics. (laughs) So that's why I just like went for it. And, um, so, yeah, so I just kept going. Sometimes I, I would just take one class. Sometimes I'd be able to take two. Some semesters I wouldn't be able to take any because I couldn't afford it or whatever. So that's why it took me 10 years to get my four-year degree. Wow. Wow. Would you say you're a tough individual? Yes. Uh, Sometimes to my detriment, but yes. <laughs> because, like, for me, like, for me from, like, what, like, from all you've gone through, it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, look, parenthood, cancer, like basically doing a 10 year degree. Like, look, there, like people would be like, yeah, there's lots of easier ways you could have done this in your life. Blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, I, all I've got to simply say, yeah, tough individual with a stubborn streak. You're like, yeah, thank you very yes. much. Stop talking. And <laughs> it's just like, but like, yeah, what? Like, what is the drive? What keeps you going? Because, damn, 10 years to do a degree. It's like finance, like getting money together here and getting money together there. It would have been easier for, like, many people to go, yeah, look, like, you get the degree. You might be able to get a professional qualification to become a personal trainer and stuff like this. 
But what made you go, yes, I must just, like you mentioned, like I wanted to prove it to myself, but it has to be more than just that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a couple of things. So one thing that my that my father always taught me growing up was that um, the time is going to go by regardless. Mm. So 10 years is going to go by whether you're in school chipping away at it or you're not. And there's never a perfect time to do anything. And um, all that's going to happen is you're going to be 10 years older. Life is going to be 10 years more complicated you know, so one, one small bite at a time, one small step at a time, the time is going to go by anyway. So just keep, just keep going, just keep going. And um, again, I wanted to beat the statistics and I just knew that like a high school degree was just not going to cut it, that I needed to have at least a four-year degree. And, and I actually went to school initially thinking I wanted to be an architect. And then I got into computer-aided drafting and was like, whoa, this is the worst. So then I switched. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I like dealing with people. I just was like, I could not just draw with a mouse all day. Like, no, uh-uh. It was not going to be for me at all. Um, yeah, so I went, I went and got my exercise and sports science degree and with a minor in parks and recreation because my ultimate dream, and this is still my dream now, this is what I'm working towards, but my ultimate dream is to have a destination retreat or center, ideally in Costa Rica, because I just love that country and the weather and the food and the music and everything. So anyways, um, but to have this retreat where you come with your partner for seven to 10 days and do this whole life makeover, you learn a new skill, a new sport, a new activity, tennis, rock climbing, hiking, canyoneering, kind of whatever you want. Um, you learn healthy eating. So it would be open kitchen with cooking classes and things like that. There'd be yoga, meditation, and all of that. And then you go back into your life with this whole new skill set and a partner in crime, which is why ideally you come with your partner. Certainly singles could come, but you would come with your partner so that you both go back and, and this becomes a lifestyle now. So that's why I got those two degrees. Um, but then, you know, I had my son and so I needed to, in the United States, health insurance is through your employer uh -huh. and I needed to provide some stability. I needed a page. So I did work as a personal trainer, sort of right near the end of university and right out of university. Um, but it was just not paying the bills at all. And with a job like that, you have to be in the gym all the time. So it just didn't work. So I went and got a corporate job um, in sales and uh, did that was the job that I did for 15 years. And it provided a phenomenal life for us. I, I, I was really good at it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What were you selling? Um, it's an architectural, uh, a decorative architectural material. So it's, um, it's resin, basically. It's, it's plastic with organics and prints and fabrics, decorative materials sandwiched between two layers of plastic. It's essentially like a replacement for glass. And so I spent my time talking to architects and designers, educating them on the material and then showing them how they can use it in their projects and helping them design it into their projects. So that's what I did. And that's where I met my husband because he did the same thing for the same company, but he, his territory was 
the Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg, and my territory was Utah, Montana, and Wyoming, and we met in the United States at a sales conference, and the rest is history. Mm, I see. On tight. <laughs> what happens but, at sales conference? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Say> no more. <laughs> yeah. So we were that cliche, but yes, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, I wouldn't expect anything less from you, my rebel. I know, right? Yes, that's how I'm going to refer to you from now on, my rebel. I like friend. it. <laughs> I like it. I, dare I ask, mm-hmm. who was the best salesperson out of you and your husband? Well, I was. <laughs> but, but in fairness, he is a very good salesperson, and we just had very different markets. The U.S. was just much quicker to adopt this sort of like innovative material in Europe uh, design. While like design is forward thinking, the materials used are very traditional glass, stone, wood, that kind of thing. Okay. No worries. I'm sure that will help stroke his ego. Yes. (laughs) I think think secretly he'd agree. He'd be like, yeah, you were. (laughs) I'm glad to see there's no competition between the two. I mean, I sold him on me, right? So, hey, look, look, all I've got to say is, yeah, (laughs) in that case, I think he might be saying, I'm secretly winning. There you go. I think he would say the same thing. We would say say the same thing about each other. He's, he's absolutely wonderful. And it's been, it's, yeah, it's been, and he, he was absolutely 100% my rock during cancer. It was unbelievable. And, and I don't know how I would have gotten through that without him. Yeah. No, yeah. The support of a good partner in one's life, I think is absolutely essential, especially yeah. over the last year everyone has had uh, yeah. on this uh, beloved planet of ours. Right? Yes. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, so, you still want to, we still got the sort of, you know, like retreat in mind. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, what, like what made you go, okay, you know what? I've been a yoga instructor for a number of years and I've been doing this. I've been a personal trainer. Like mm-hmm. what made you bring on like that carry on coaching? Yeah, well, so the, the name kind of came across like through, like during my cancer, during the cancer battle, it really just kind of brought into focus for me, not only what I was going through at that time, but everything I had been through. Mm. And, and I started to think like, God, what, why, why all of these things? Yeah. Why, why did I take the I have this saying that I learned from a girlfriend of mine. It's like, uh, you can take the hard road to the easy life or the easy road to the hard life. So that is why I got that college degree and went so hard because I did not want the rest of my life to be hard. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll do hard now so that I can have easy later instead of like easy now, like, Oh, it'd be so much easier for me not to go to university and just get a job. But then that leads to a much harder life down the road. Um, and so I, I just, yeah, it, it put into focus just what was the purpose of all of this? And really, if I don't do something with this, if I don't use what I've been through to inspire others that they can do the hard stuff, to inspire others to find the joy when life gets hard, to encourage people to love themselves and to 
laugh at the absurdity of life, then it just feels like all of that was a waste. And it was just hard for no reason. And so um, I kind of started to really put this mindset, this attitude into play through all of cancer. And part of that is because I, I was a yoga instructor and I, I did have that practice and, and exercise for me was such a part of, is such a part of my identity that I had sort of these tools that I could rely on to stay joyful, even though I was going through this cancer to, to laugh when my colostomy bag would fart in the middle of a client meeting and puff up my shirt to which happened, you know, to, to, you know, to just like, you can't make up some of the things that happened to me. And it just like, instead of cry, I would laugh. Sometimes I would cry and laugh, but like, it just was like, you've got to be joking that this is what's happening. So, I mean, what do you do? And so my friend started to joke that like, you just keep calm and carry on. And so that's, that's how that name came about carry on coaching and and my mission is to help people drop the shoulds and to keep calm and carry on and live a life full of jomo use what happens to them to find their joy and move on find the glittery bits find the joyful aspects they are always there and use it to move on use it to make you stronger you know what, you need to, like, you need to, ha- you, you know, the keep calm and carry on sort of, like, you need to make t-shirts with that, like, so, yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah, keep calm and carry on, like, carry on, you yeah. need to make more, you need to make t-shirts with that, so, and yeah, just hand them out <laughs> to people to wear, like, around the world, it's like, yes, look at right? my t-shirt, it's a great thing, and like, I like that, and um, yeah. Oh, yeah. My husband and I have those shirts actually. Um, ah. I just haven't developed them and put them on my website or anything yet, but yeah, it, it's coming. That'll come at some point when I get, you know, world famous, <laughs> which this podcast is going to do, right? <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Like before you know it, I'll, I'll most probably be living in Austin, having the company of a bald headed chap. <laughs> and some of these cohorts. Oh, Texas, Texas. Here I am in Texas. But yeah, funny. but I like the whole fact that look, like determined, like determination, hard work, and like yeah, having the patience to keep, like keep going. Because mm-hmm. like, I think much of the world today is instant gratification. Look. Uh, um, yeah, I, I won't lie, like, even, like, if our internet's, like, even 30 seconds slower than it normally should be, oh. drives you nuts. Exactly. But, uh, like, but the whole thing is the patience, like, the dedication, like, keep that perseverance to keep on going. I think mm-hmm. that is a lesson that many people still need to know, still need to pick that up, because I think... Too many people now are just like, okay, if it doesn't happen tomorrow, there is no point. And they mm-hmm. just like go, right, 
they don't invest that time. They don't invest mm-hmm. that effort. And like they, they yield little or no results or mm-hmm. like, the, like the potential which could have been there is just like, you got to but you could have all of this. Obviously you can't see it, but if you use your mind's eye, you can have this. And it might sound strange saying this, but have faith in yourself that you can actually do that, that you can actually achieve this. Be more than the sum of your parts. Yeah. Hard. It is hard. And, you know, but I think, I think part of why it becomes hard is because, so to your point, I completely agree. We have become so impatient, myself included. Sometimes mm-hmm. I get frustrated when the internet's breaking up. I'm just like, ah, this piece of, you know, it's, <laughs> it, I, the same thing. And, and, you know, same day delivery from Amazon is not helping. <laughs> no. Like That's absurd that I could order, you know, a, a, a new game or a new phone case at 8 a.m. And by five, it's at my doorstep. That's crazy. That's, un, it's insane. Yeah. You know, and so that, that, that type of thing is, is not helping our impatience for sure. But, you know, I think where perseverance gets hard is that we, we don't break it down. And so like, for example, if you want to, if you want to lose 50 pounds or you want to lose, I don't know, what, what is that? 25 K? I don't know. Uh, math. 50 pounds, it's around about, it's around about 25, like 24, 25 kg. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to lose that, right. You, if you're just, if every day you're stepping on the scale, and, and you're thinking 25 pounds, 25 pounds, and you just keep thinking like it's never going to happen, mm. then you give up, right? But if you just think, I want today, um, today, I'm going to move for 20 minutes today, and I'm going to drink, you know, my, this, my water bottle. These are my, goals. I'm going to drink this today, and I'm going to move for 20 minutes today. If you do that every day, you will lose, you know, the 50, 25 kg, you'll mm-hmm. lose it right over time. But like that to just so to think like, Oh, I have to lose 25 right now. That's really hard, but I have to move for 20 minutes today. That's easy. And so it's about just like taking the small steps because yes, losing that amount of weight, by moving 20 minutes every day, maybe that takes you three years to do that. But guess what? Three years is going to be here anyway. Mm. So you can, in three years, you can be like, oh my God, if only I had moved 20 minutes every day, I'd be 50 pounds lighter instead of like, yeah, thank God. Right. So do you want to say, you know, what if, or like, thank God, what do you, what do you want to say in three years? Cause three years is going to come. Yeah whether you're doing it or not. So it's a little of just like breaking it down into bite-sized steps and just taking one day at a time. I think the other thing that helps that that gets us really overwhelmed is comparison. So there's also that. So then we just like, we look on social media and or in, and or in our friend group and we see people who seemingly are doing it quicker, easier, better, faster, all of the things. And it's, it's just simply not true. Yeah. Yeah. It's simply not true. And to, to do the small things that work for you and to stop comparing and just stay focused on what you want is, is another component of it. And then I think the last thing is to, is to be present into your day. 
So yes, it's good to plan ahead, right? Yes, it's good to save today so that you build up a savings account for when you retire, but you have to live today as well. Mm. So it does you no good to not spend any money because when you're 65, you want to have, you know, a million, (laughs) whatever, right? Like you've got to stay present to what's happening in the moment and do things in the moment that serve your bigger goal. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I think what people need to, I think with regards to the sort of social media, like, everyone's got to remember that is just a BS highlight row. And like, yeah, you don't, you're just getting this, this snapshot of some, what someone wants to put out there as their perfect moment in their life and stuff like this. Yeah. And you kind of like, go, okay, yeah, they're really doing great. And you're like, going, yeah, that was like maybe 10 minutes out of a 24 hour day. Exactly. That's a lot. And how many shots did they take before they got that one that they wanted? And I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I have seen I have seen people's faces when they've put filters on and it's like, is that the same person? It's like, it's like, what? (laughs) That is crazy. Yeah. 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 So it's just like, no, no, no. Look, you have got a lot of a lot of knowledge and like, you know, I mean, drive and ambition and like like hey that's like rebellious streak i'm not too sure which should be allowed into the world too much but it's out there (laughs) Um, yeah but like this is the thing like i've seen you've got yourself your instagram i've seen you've got your youtube channel which like Mm -hmm. you haven't put on anything up on there for the last four months or so uh yeah 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 but like this is the thing like have you thought about doing your own podcast just out of interest say i have thought about it i've thought i've thought about it um i haven't done it yet because i i feel like i'm i'm really focused at the moment on doing like the one-on-one coaching (laughs) and the sort of like the smaller group thing i i think that doing a podcast is probably in my future i really love being guests on podcasts um I guess the closest thing I'm doing at the moment really consistently that's podcast-esque would be I'm in Clubhouse and I host three rooms in Clubhouse. How is that working for you? Because like this is the thing, like when I was first introduced to Clubhouse, it was by Mm -hmm. my friend uh, Hugo and it was like a case of once that sort of went out into my sort of like uh, lexicon, then all of a sudden someone's like, oh yeah, I've got a clubhouse invite. I'm I'm on Android. So I mm. so it's like, yeah. But like I had this sort of realm of FOMO, fear of missing yes. apps, uh mm-hmm. going on. But like this is the thing, like I'm not too sure if it's a thing which is gonna be a standalone thing itself, right? Or just a feature of something else. Mm-hmm. Like, how has that like I've had a couple of conversations with people and it hasn't been like oh, this is brilliant. It's been kind of like, yeah, it's been okay. And some people have been like, And some people have actually gone, yeah, it's brilliant. Where do you sit on that whole realm with Clubhouse? I think it's freaking brilliant. Okay. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. And, and the reason I think it's brilliant, there's a couple of reasons why I think it's brilliant. One is that there are no pictures, no videos, no nothing. So mm-hmm. there's 
a lot, you know, apart from like the bios. So you, you just have a profile picture so that people, you know, when you're, when you're talking there, they can see your, uh, a picture of you, but not your face. Um, so one, it takes the pressure off of having to have this sort of Instagram worthy curated filtered life. I can be, you know, in my pajamas, literally, and be on clubhouse talking. I have, you know, there's no reason to get dressed when you're on clubhouse. There's no camera, no pictures, no nothing. So, so that's one thing that I think is really great about it. Mm. And two, I, I always talk about it is like, it's sort of the best of podcasting and talk radio in that like with talk radio um you tune into the station and you just listen to whatever the the show is happening and if you want to make a comment you can call in and make a comment so you can interact in that way but you it's just like whatever the program is at the at the 12 o'clock hour it's you know yeah it's the, the miwa show and we either tune in and then pick up the phone and interact with what you want to talk about that day or we don't, or we don't tune in, right? Podcasting, on the other hand, is fabulous because you can really sort of choose your subject, your topic that you're interested in, but I can't ask questions. I can't interact. I can't be like, here, here, or, oh, that so resonated with me, or I disagree. I've had a different, like, there's no interaction. You can type in the comments, but that's kind of passive right? How often does the host? And then it's not really in real time that that's happening. Yeah. Clubhouse is kind of the best. I can tune into, join the rooms that are of interest to me, like picking the podcast. And I can raise my hand and get up on stage and participate in the conversation like public radio. So for me, it's, it's really great. And I love talking to people, as you can probably guess from being on here in a oh, conversation. No, no. <laughs> I'm one of those annoying Americans that will just talk to anybody anywhere, which the Dutch are like, why are you talking to me? I don't know you. And I'm like, cause you have a great hat. Why wouldn't I talk to you? So anyway, I'm that person. Um, and so for me, it's been really wonderful, particularly during this COVID time where, um, we don't get to interact with people. And uh, frankly, I have an Instagram account and all of that, but I'm kind of sick of all that superficial stuff. And Clubhouse has been really wonderful to go into the rooms that I'm interested in, the topics that I'm interested in, hear other people's stories, hear other people's experiences, hear the way they describe their experiences, and then be able to share mine and have this whole interaction. It's been I've been on it about a month now and it has been an incredible experience. I've met so many people that I do now call friends that we chat now. And so then the way that you can communicate with each other is you can link your Twitter or, and, or your Instagram in your clubhouse profile. So if someone, if I'm in a room talking, like if this were a clubhouse room, people were listening to us and they really liked what I was having to what I was saying they could go to my clubhouse profile. They could click on my Instagram link. So it would take them to my Instagram page and then they could DM me there and we could contact there and then share phone numbers if we wanted or whatever. So that's kind of how you have to do it. There's no in-app communication other than talking. And you can only talk if you're up on stage. Otherwise you're just in the room listening, but you're listening live in real time. Interesting. 
they're not recorded. So like you can't, there's no way to record the conversations and then post them later or anything like that. It's, it's pretty cool. I yeah, have to say. Because like I saw one of like one of my like, like podcast friends, like mm -hmm. now friend, like put up her post and like of the images of who was in the room. Yeah. I clicked it because I had no idea expecting to hear something and it was just like an animated gift of just mm -hmm. the image I was like going, oh, okay yeah but like clubhouse it is a case of yes what you're it it's the room where it happened being in the room where it happened so that's right reference right there yeah. <laughs> it's like going, yeah. Uh, so, oh, okay yeah now what I will say is that for someone like me who is a self-professed um FOMO junkie um, I really, I can really get sucked into the fear of missing out and yep. clubhouse does can be incredibly addictive and you can get sucked in and spend a lot of time in there. So the first couple of days, that is exactly what happened to me. And then I had to put boundaries for, on for myself rules for myself about clubhouse so that I didn't just like spend my entire life in there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I think a little, that's maybe a little bit with everything that initially when it's new, you're all excited about it. And then you kind of figure out like how to, at work, you know, what way works best for you. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And, and it's been, yeah, I really, I really like it. I might have to, I might have to like spend out some cash and like foray in my way into the realms of Clubhouse, see what happens from there. Well, I understand it's a beta right now. And I do think that they are working on an Android option. The, the, like why it doesn't work on Android and only on iPhone is way beyond my pay grade. I have no idea. I mean, I don't even really understand how the internet works. I'm just glad that it does. Um, sometimes I feel like, is, it, is the internet not working because it's really windy outside? And my husband looks at me and I'm like, okay, never mind. Just act like I didn't say that. I don't know. <laughs> Just looking at you, I kind of, hmm. It's like, mm, <laughs> you're sometimes you're the dumbest smart person I've ever <laughs> known. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I just can't be bothered with the yeah, technology. Like, just if he goes, ah, oh, sweet. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's really cute. <laughs> like, so no, so that's not a thing. Then. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, go, I, I go now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, question. Like, yeah. What would you, what would you like to see happen for yourself, like for the next, say, three to five years? Let's just say this year is we are opening back up, trying to get ourselves back on the, our feet, like yeah. at different paces. But yeah, what would you like to see happen for yourself in the next three to five years? Yeah, in an I so in an ideal situation, in the next three to five years, I would love to have a solid one-on-one -on -one coaching practice. I'd love to have a couple of group programs going, um, mm -hmm. some focused around mindset, some focused around, um, you know, health and fitness and things like that. Maybe one that combines the two, because personally, I, I do feel like you can't have one without the other. Um, but that's, that's me. And some people, you know, some people can have the mindset first, which then causes like the weight to, to release and, and all of the physical health benefits to come and other people need the health benefits first. And then the mindset things can happen. So like you can, we can mm -hmm. come at it from different directions. That's fine. So I'd love to have 
the, the full, my, my one-on-one coaching practice full and booming and all of that. I'd love to have some group programs running in the background. And then I would love to be doing live retreats around the world um, that incorporate all of what I talk about, the JOMO, the mindset, the fitness, the meditation, the yoga, the, all of these things in like a, a week long or weekend long intensive. Um, and then I'd like to be living closer to my son and my grandson. Ah, what part of the world do they live in at this present time? They are in Salt Lake City at this moment, um, but he is graduating university in one month from today, which I am so proud of that kid. After everything that he has gone through watching me and his father and becoming a father himself and working full time, and he has this wife and son, like this beautiful family, he's just busted his tail and he's graduating and I could not be more proud of him. So that's happening. And so at the moment they're in Salt Lake City, but who knows where life will take them. So we'll see where his journey, where he lands up and ends up in the world. But wherever that is, I hope I get to live closer than a 10 hour flight and an eight hour time difference. I would like to be closer than that. Outstanding, outstanding. I'm liking that, I'm liking that. Very nice. Uh, I have to reveal to you, I am a being of supreme cosmic power. And I can grant you one wish. Uh, 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 before you say anything, you can't wish for world peace. Okay. You can't wish for Corona to be gone. I've already consulted that. And like Dolly Parton, I had to call on the powers of Dolly Parton. You, look, that's a once in a millennia thing. Okay. Can't be doing that again. And yeah, you can't write down on a sheet of paper, a number of things and go, I wish everything on this piece of paper would come true. Mm-hmm. Now, what would your one wish be? My one wish would be that people believe and know that they are magically unique human beings and that their life is worth living to its absolute fullest and that every day is full of joy. Superb. You know what? That's a beautiful note. And yes, I'll work on getting that done. Like this might take a little bit of time. Oh, but yes, I'll work on getting that done. Mm. Thank you. No Thank worries. you, Supreme Bean. Oh well, uh, I get to use my powers like yeah. Every now and then, like there's some things some people have said. I'm like, mm, okay, mm, but have I made a mistake? <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be held accountable for that, I hope. But that's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you tell the lovely people how they can get hold of you out there? Yeah. So it, while we wait for the grand supreme being Miwa to grant this giant wish that I, that I have. Tell everybody that. <laughs> while we wait for him to grant my wish of bringing joy to the world, you can start working on your own joy right now. By finding me at my website, which is carryoncoaching.com, spelled like my name. So K-A-R-E-Y on carryoncoaching.com. And you can find me on Instagram at carry underscore on underscore coaching. All one word was taken. And uh, you can find me in Clubhouse at uh, Carrie Spranzi. Okay. So, and I actually, yeah, I, I host three rooms a week there. Um, so you can come and listen to me there. And I would love 
yeah, to connect with you, uh, anyone, uh, your listeners, uh, via any of those three resources. Outstanding, outstanding. What I would also do, I'll put all of those details in the show notes, the description. So yeah, please get with Kerry, carry on. And yes, be merry, I say, my friends. Ah, Kerry, I've got to say thank you uh, for coming on today. You have been outstanding. You have been a superstar. Ah. Thank you so much. It was really, really fun. And yeah, I mean, I feel like we've known one another for years and we clearly could just talk all day long. Uh, (laughs) This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, my rebel. Yeah. I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors out there. Please stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent. Be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye. Peace. And we are...